Psalms 123. And we'll see how far we get uh, tonight as we continue our study of the Psalms of Ascent. Now, uh, remember, uh, the Psalms of Ascent are the Psalms that the, the Jews would sing as they journeyed up to Jerusalem. And so uh, there's, uh, uh, there's 15 of them, starting at 120 all the way through 134. And so these are psalms, uh, when, I, when I think of it, what do you guys think of as far as like ascending to Jerusalem, going to Jerusalem, you know, they're going to the temple. When I think of that, you know what I think of? I think of like psalms that, that, that basically, I, I want to seek the Lord. You know, there's this place I belong, uh, I belong there in Jerusalem, but I find myself in, on the outskirts. I found my, myself in like kind of like distant lands. And I, and I have a hunch because, you guys, this, the world that we live in and the church is getting attacked. Uh, I'll, bet, uh, not, I'll bet a lot of money that there are some of you, even here tonight, and I'm so proud of you guys. You came out on a midweek service. But even you, some of you guys here tonight, where you feel far from God. You know, you feel distant. You feel sometimes disconnected. And it's almost like you've got to take a pilgrimage. You've got you to gotta take this journey, this ascent to Jerusalem you know, to seek the Lord. And uh, I wish it was just like a pill you could take. I wish it was just like an overnight thing. You know, and every once in a while, God does zap somebody. But to really be in Jerusalem, to really be in a right relationship with God, where you're lit up, where you're on fire, to really be there, it has to be a miracle. It has to be something that God does. And so sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. And so we're like on this journey, you guys. But I don't know if that's what you want. But if that's what you want, that these psalms are kind of like how to get it, how to get there. And so watch what we read in, in Psalm 123. It, it talks about looking. And then in Psalm 124, it talks about speaking. Uh, we're going to see, first of all, that we need to look uh, to God for mercy. Look what we read in Psalm 123, beginning in verse 1. It's a, again a song of ascents. And unto you I lift my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. You know, I don't know if you, you're, maybe you're here tonight and you're hanging your head. Maybe you're here tonight and your eyes are, are like heavy. They're just looking down. You're down. You're downcast. And it's hard sometimes, man, to just lift up your eyes. It takes an extra effort sometimes. You know, our flesh, it, it fights it furiously and it fixates on the problems. It focuses on the, on the pain. It, it, it wants to dwell on, on our enemies or ourselves. And God says, if you ever want to come to that place in Jerusalem where you're lit up, where you're in love, where you're in right relationship with God, you're going to you're gonna have to move your eyes. You're going to have to lift up your eyes. And that's what he says right here. It's a, it's a, it's a prayer. It, it's like a determination. Unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Other translations uh, talked about not just dwelling. It talks about God being enthroned there in heaven. God on the throne. 
And then that's where we need to keep our eyes, not not just the Lord, although that's important, but you got to see him where he is, that he's in, he's on, he's a shot caller, that the Lord is on the throne, that the Lord is in complete control. You know, why do we look to God? Of course, it all began with salvation, huh? I don't know you guys, I don't know all of you guys, more than likely you're, you're probably all saved, but you know, I don't know. What if the roof fell down and you guys all died? <laughs> we all died. <laughs> Would you go to heaven? Do you know for sure? Are you living in right relationship with God? I mean, you know, we're not saved by works, but a lot of times if you're not living right, if you're living in, in habitual, consistent, persistent, insistent sin, that's probably an indication that you don't know God. And so, you know, why do we look to God? It begins with salvation. It begins there. As a matter of fact, uh, Isaiah 45, 22, the Bible says, Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. And so it doesn't matter, you know, what nationality, what country you come from, what background you have. You may be squeaky clean. You may be, you've got a rap sheet. You're in prison time. It doesn't matter. Whoever you are, the ends of the earth, God says, just look to me. Look to me and, and you'll be saved. You know, and I always, I always dig that verse because that's the verse where one day, remember C.H. Spurgeon, he was only 15 years old and he was on his way to his normal church. It was a congregational church, but it was a crazy uh, snowstorm that day. And so he couldn't go uh, to the normal church, and so he got sidetracked. And he actually ended up in a, in a church. It's, it was a Methodist church just to kind of find uh, a shelter from the storm. And so he went there that day. The normal pastor, a regular pastor, wasn't teaching. Some laymen, and he didn't really have a sermon. <laughs> You know, but it was just some guy, some random guy, he's up there, and this was the verse that, that he was sharing. And Spurgeon said he didn't have a lot to share, so he just kept reading the verse. Look to me, look to me, and be saved. And then he pointed to Spurgeon. And he spur Spurgeon, and he didn't know his name. You look like a, a miserable young man. <laughs> he said, lift up your eyes, look to the Lord. And be saved. And Spurgeon, this guy who had been raised in this church, this guy who read and prayed every day, was not saved until that day when he looked to the Lord. And he said that when he went home that night, it, it just everything changed, man. And he said his mom said, something happened to you. And, and Spurgeon told her the story that he had looked to the Lord. You know, why do we look to the Lord, the one that's seated on the throne? Man, number one, salvation. I love the story in Luke. And I was wondering if you could look there to Luke chapter 19. Look, look at Luke 19. I've always loved this story. Notice what it says in, in verse... Oh, let's see here. Luke 19, we'll start in verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. That he was like me. He was a short guy. And so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass that way. 
And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. I love that story. You know, it's this guy, he's a short guy, and he had heard about Jesus. He heard uh, of the miracles. He heard of the wisdom. He heard of the love. I mean, he heard there was no one like this guy, you know, and so he wanted to see him. He, he wanted to see him, but he was too short. The crowd was taller than him. And so he ran ahead because he knew the route that Jesus was heading on. And he climbs up a tree. Think about that. How long has it been since some of you guys climbed up a tree? It sounds like fun, huh? But probably haven't done it in a while. But he goes and he climbs up a tree. Why? So he could see. So he could see Jesus. And whether you're not a Christian or whether you are a Christian, I think a lot of times we're not really willing to do anything different than we've been doing because we don't really want to see Jesus. So it's a challenge for us. It's convicting. But Zacchaeus, he climbs a tree, and Jesus sees his heart amongst all these people right here. He says, man, look at that guy. That guy climbed up a tree so he could see me. And so he tells Zacchaeus, hey, get down from the tree because I'm going to hang out with you today, right? And so Zacchaeus made haste, came down. For today I must stay at your house. And so he made haste, came down, received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Maybe you're here today and you're not really into this church stuff. Maybe you're here today and, you know, life, it just seems like blah, empty. You're not really into anything. You don't even really want to get out of bed sometimes. You, you know, and it, it's like you, you know that you don't know the Lord. And all I'm saying is that Jesus is here. And he's like walking down the aisle. And, and if you want to see him, you might have to exert a little extra effort, but just say, Lord, I want to see you. I, I really, if they say you're real, they say you're nailed to a cross for me. They say that, that you're wise. They say that you have power. They say that you have the ability to take me to heaven. And if that's true, I want to see you. And, 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 and if that's your heart and you're climbing up that tree, I'm here to tell you that Jesus will meet you tonight. And just like he did Zacchaeus, come down to spend time together. And as a result of that, even this guy who is a crazy chief tax collector doesn't get any worse than that. You may be here tonight thinking you're, you're the worst. The Lord here says, hey, he ministers to him. What does Zacchaeus do? He says, man, I'm going to give half my goods to the poor. If I've done anybody wrong, I'll restore them fourfold. And, and what is that? That's a manifestation of somebody who got saved. People were criticizing Jesus, but Jesus said, hey, this guy just got saved. And it's interesting what Jesus says. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
And so who's seeking who? Was it Zacchaeus seeking Jesus? Or was it Jesus seeking Zacchaeus? Let's, let's ask that question tonight. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> How many of you here think it's a little bit of both? I think it is, huh? When you seek the Lord and you find him, you know what you're going to discover? That he was seeking you the whole time. It's amazing when you think of Jesus and, and you look at this. I mean, all you have to do is look to the Lord. He was nailed to a cross. He did all the work. But you've got to look with the eyes of your heart. Remember the story, and we don't have a lot of time, but when you get a chance, go to Numbers 21, 4 through 9, and that's the time when all the people got bit by the snake. You guys remember that story? So they were dying because they were, had been complaining about Moses, and so the Lord sent snakes, and they all got bit, and they were dying, and the Lord told Moses, what I want you to do is say, I want you to take a brass uh, pole, and I want you to kill a snake, and I want you to attach it to the brass pole. And then what I want you to do is I want you to put it in the middle of the camp and lift it up and tell the people that all they have to do is look at that brass and serpent on the pole, and they'll be saved. And, and so Jesus talks about this. In John 3, 14 through 15, he takes that typology, he applies it to himself, and he says, just as that serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And all you have to do is look. You look. There, that, that's what God did for me. He became this, like, this slimy serpent, all this sin, all this suffering, all this love. I deserve to be on the cross. I'm the sinner. I'm guilty, but he died in my place. And when you see that, and all you have to do is, is believe, then, that, then you're saved. See, and so that's why we look to the Lord. You know, I don't know where your, 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 your gaze has been. You know, your, your eyes are down. Your heart is heavy. It's hard for you to lift up your eyes. But what we see right here in, in Psalm 123, that song of ascents, unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. Why do we look? Why do we look to the Lord? Number one, salvation. Number two, direction. As a slave, we listen and look intently for our master's directions. And I think you guys can visualize it, huh? Let's just say you go to the rich person's house and they're having this crazy dinner, right? And you get all the, the, the servants, what they're doing is kind of like they're standing on the sides of the walls and they're just looking at their master and his slightest movement usually was a signal for them to do something, huh? He didn't want to disturb everybody. didn't want to, you know, make a big thing about it. You know, just a little slight movement. As a matter of fact, the NLT translates it that way. As a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. That's why we are focused, man. That's why we are focused on the Lord because if you're not if you're distracted if you're looking in the wrong place you might miss his guidance you might miss his direction so I've got to look to the Lord first for salvation second 
for direction, John Corson said this, the reference here is to a master who would give his servants subtle, almost imperceptible hand motions so as not to interrupt a dinner or conversation. He said, I believe our master moves in quiet ways in order that people focus on him. It's the servant's job, therefore, to be constantly looking at the hand of the master. If a servant was looking around to see what everyone else was doing, he might miss all the signals. And so we have to ask ourselves, and just be honest, am I really looking? Am I really listening to the Lord, expecting his directions? You know, there's a great passage, and I actually wanted you to turn there in Second Chronicles chapter 20. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, it was a time when the Lord had been using Jehoshaphat, and it was a really uh, a cool thing that God was doing. But whenever you seek the Lord, whenever God begins to move, the enemy is going to come against you. And so we read in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20 and verse 1, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazon, Tamar, which is in En Gedi. And, and, and Jehoshaphat, he feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and, and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land? before your people Israel and gave it to your descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. And, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, and he, and he begins to quote scripture in his prayer, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and say, and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. You know, when I, when I read this right here, I'm like, man... I know you guys. The enemy is, is coming after you. I've been having dreams. I, I don't go by dreams. I'm not a mystical man by any means. But man, my dreams have been vivid. I have seen the enemy. I've seen what he's doing. And we don't need to have dreams. We just know this is the way it is, right? But the enemy, he comes after us. 
And so uh, what do we do here? Um, we got we to, gotta, he's going to step it up. We got to step it up. We got to seek the Lord more. How are they seeking the Lord here? I mean, a lot of things going on. There's fasting. There's praying. There's going to church. There's quoting scripture. There's Bible things going on. There's faith. There's a lot of things happening here. The way that they're seeking the Lord. And what we're talking about, we're looking, you know, to God. And this, these are the things that we do. How do you look to God? Well, you start fasting. You start praying. You start diving into the Word. You start saying no to all the other things that are trying to distract you from your focus on Him. You, you're, you're in church service. I mean, this is what's happening right here. And, and what do you do? You start listening. Does God speak? Absolutely. Does God speak to us personally? Absolutely. Haven't you heard? We say it all the time. This is not a religion. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that means that he speaks to us personally. And, and so we find ourselves... We don't know what to do. Look what happens here. In verse 12, O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. And that's what we're reading in, in Psalm 123. I, I lift up my eyes to the Lord who dwells in heaven. He's there on the throne. And, and here is Jehoshaphat, and he's a godly man. He's a godly king. God's done great things in his life. But at the end of the day, he doesn't know what to do. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever been there. Have you guys ever been there where you don't know what to do? I've been there many times. And, and I, you know, someone may ask, well, Manny, you've been a Christian many years, and you've taught many Bible studies, and you're a pastor of many people. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm, I'm there a lot. I don't know what to do, Lord. Should I call? Should I visit? Should I change this? Should we shut down that? Should we go there? I don't know what to do. But, but I'm praying, and I'm fasting, and I'm listening, and I'm believing, and I'm acknowledging my weakness. And my eyes are on you. And when your eyes are on the Lord, us drawing near, he will lead us and guide us. And, and that's what he ends up doing with this uh, nation. And they end up getting this amazing victory in their life because the devil's trying to expel them from the land that belongs to them. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we really doing that today? You know, a while back, the Lord laid a verse real, real heavy on my heart out of Jeremiah 23, 18. And I like the way the New Living Translation has it. This isn't what it says. It says, have any of these prophets been in the Lord's presence to hear what he is really saying? Has even one of them cared enough to listen? 
And sometimes, you know, you can go through the motions and you can, you know, you're right on Christian and you know, you're, you know what to do and you maybe even, you know, you read your Bible chapter in the morning or whatever. You have a little routine that you go through. But, but if, you're, if you're frank and if you're honest, a lot of times we're not really listening. We don't even really care enough to listen. And so, so why are we looking? Number one, salvation. Number two, direction. And let me just mention one thing before moving on from here. Number three, protection. Because Psalm 25 in verse 15, it says, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. And so your, your eyes are always on the Lord. Why? Because he's going to protect you, man. And so we look to the Lord with great anticipation we believe in him moving not that we're worthy it's just that god is merciful notice what we read next in our in our psalm right here in verse three it says have mercy on us O lord have mercy on us for we are exceedingly filled with contempt our, our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. And, and you know, you, you wonder as you're praying, maybe you approach God with uh, the mentality that says, I've been doing pretty good and you kind of owe it to me. And God is saying, if you approach my throne like that, <laughs> you're not going to get very far. But, but he is rich. In mercy you know why do we go uh, to the throne um, you know we go to look to the Lord solely and attentively for how long how long notice again there in verse 2 until he has mercy on us until you see the Lord move until you see an answer to prayer and he will show you you know this last Sunday night I was so blessed watching the testimony of Christopher Yuan and here's a guy he was an agnostic he was gay he was a crazy drug dealer he had everything the world had to offer but his mom got saved and it's an interesting story even his mom's story because when she found out that her son was gay she uh, wanted to kill herself. Uh, her marriage was crazy, and her son is now in this place, and for them and for her, she just couldn't handle it. But by, by God's grace, she ended up uh, talking to a minister. I don't know why. We know it was the Lord, but she didn't have any type of history in that direction. But he gave her a little Bible, a little pamphlet uh, regarding her situation. She ended up reading it. She got saved, and and this is a lady, if I can just say it this way, she got really saved. She got really saved. Not one foot in the church, one foot in the world. She got really saved. And she was around people who were prayer warriors, and they had 100 prayer warriors, and they were praying for her son. And uh, this is a lady who would fast uh, once a week. Uh, uh, she did it for seven years. And she one time fasted for 39 days. So all I'm saying is that how long do you do it? She did it for seven years until her son, against all odds, got saved. 
And that's why, you know, the Lord's challenging me. I don't know if he's challenging you, but this is how we do this. This is why we do this. We do this because God is a merciful God. Where do we look to the Lord? How do we look as servants of the Lord? For how long until the Lord has mercy upon us? Until he answers our, our prayer, until he hears our cry. You know, apparently the writer was going through some hard times, and it may have been the condition of the country, but we know that twice he prays for mercy and twice he gives the reason why. Notice again there in verse 3, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. And, and in verse 4, uh, with the scorn, we're filled with the scorn of those who are at ease. And then he repeats the word contempt. And I don't know, the, you know in, for sure the unique situation, but he's being bombarded by someone who, who thinks he's, he's worthless or despicable. Contempt is a feeling that, you know, not even worthy of consideration. You know, and, and I know, you know, that we do have those issues where, you know, we need to understand we're, we're nothing, uh, we're uh, unworthy. But at the same time, don't let the enemy take that to the radical extreme to where, you know, you feel like uh, you're not even worthy of God's love. You are. You're the apple of his eye. But a lot of times we battle with that. We battle with that. Does God really love me? All I've heard all my life is you're good for, for nothing. You're insignificant. And so it's a, it's a heavy battle. It's a heavy, heavy battle. And he's praying for a breakthrough. And so as we go through life, Psalm 123 it teaches us, even though our, 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 it's hard because of our circumstances, our situation, or just the things that we're going through when our eyes are just, we're looking down or down and, and down and our hearts are so heavy, we just can't lift our eyes. God says, lift up your eyes. And, th and then secondly, in Psalm uh, 124, uh, well, we see something different, not just looking, but now what we're speaking. In Psalm 124, notice what it says. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. So, so the first psalm, just in case, I don't know, I, I don't know how much time it always goes by so fast, but I, I just want to make sure I mention this. When I read Psalm 123, when I read it, God is just saying, make sure you look up. Make sure you look up. Make sure you're listening. Manny, make sure you're listening because if not, you can backslide. If not, you, you know, you preach to others, you can become disqualified. Manny, make sure you're looking, listening. But then when I read Psalm 124, it's just it's more like it's not necessarily what I got to do, but it's now it's just thanking God for what he's done you know and, and you kind of need to, to speak it it's interesting every once in a while it's good to, to wonder you know to consider that theoretical question or contemplation where would I be without the Lord where would we be if it weren't for the Lord who's on our side you know David here he's the writer of this one he, he wants us to think this one through 
And, and he even asked Israel to say it, you know, to say it out loud. Ask this, uh, you guys say it. <laughs> Come on, let's say it. Let Israel now say, that's what he's telling them. If it had not been, let's say it together, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. I, all I'm saying, you guys don't have to say it. I'm not asking you to say it, but that's what he's saying. <laughs> he's saying, say it. You know, look, we're, we're looking now we're speaking it. Let Israel now say, where would I be without the Lord? You know, to be swallowed alive, ever think about, that would be a weird death, huh? I mean, if we could choose the way we would die, I think I would like to die while I'm sleeping. But you know, to be swallowed alive is a swift and sudden death. I think we see ever so clearly in Israel that this is definitely true for, for them, right? I mean, think about Israel. Where would they be without the Lord? Think about their history. We just can mention a few things. Enslaved by Egypt, uh, attacked by Assyria, bombarded by Babylon. When we consider the plans of Persia under Haman, how they escaped through Esther, it was God, right? Israel went on to be governed by Greece or ruled by the Romans, assaulted by the Arabs. Another attempted genocide by certain Jews. And today they're hated by at least 100 million Arabs. They're surrounded by them. Where would they be without the Lord? Now you look at Israel and you might think, well, that's Israel. No, that's us too. The words of the psalmist are so true. And, and what it is really is a declaration of, of gratitude. When I consider such a thing, I realize that I would have been swallowed alive, murdered by men, uh, no trace of him. Sometimes, you guys, we see this in the movies, huh? we see these monsters or these beasts or these sharks, and they're after the, uh, the victim attacking a person. And have you guys ever seen those movies, the cartoons, whatever? And it's, it's not cool, you know, when they get attacked or when they get bit. But when they get swallowed, it's over, huh? Usually, every once in a while, they regurgitate or whatever, they cut them out. But what he's basically saying is that that's the end. Boom, it's, it's done. And, and without the Lord, we got to know that, that that's where we'd be. I think it, it helps us in our praise and, and gratitude. If you find yourself ever, like, you know, the fire's not burning or you're not singing the, the way that you should, I mean, it helps us with our gratitude and worship to remember this and consider just for a moment, where would we be? Who would we be? Who would you be if it weren't for Jesus and what he's done in your life? Who would we be? I know I'd be a drunk. I'd be a drug addict. I'd be depressed. I'd be distressed. I'd be devastated, uh, incarcerated, isolated, uh, aimless, homeless, heartless. You may look at me and think, oh, I'm sure Manny was a good guy, you know, before he was a Christian. No, I wasn't. I was heartless. I honestly was. I, I, I'm ashamed to tell the stories or to consider the things that I did before I was a Christian. Where would I be without the Lord? Where would you be without the Lord? Every once in a while, let Israel now say, say it. Where would we be if it were not for the Lord? Who is on our side? And look what he's done in your life. Look how he's blessed you. 
Look how he's provided for you. Look at how he's protected you. Look at how he's given you purpose. Look at how he's used you. Look at your family. Now, I know we're not perfect, but God has done a beautiful work. And this psalm right here is a psalm of, of, of praise and adorations. I mean, where would we be? There's a lot of ugly and awful options. You know, it's interesting here in this psalm that he mentions the waters a couple of times. And, um, you know, the swollen waters. Other translations call it raging waters. Notice again in, in verse 3, uh, then they would have swallowed us alive when the wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul and and he mentions that twice why because in the bible what that means is god wants to kind of emphasize something that the swollen waters that the oceans of emotions would have swallowed you alive you would have drowned and be dead were it not for the lord you know maybe you're here this evening and you feel like you're you're drowning and the emotions, the oceans are flooding you, wave after wave of fears and doubts and insecurities. You know, that's why I was talking about in the beginning that that's the journey you're on. Don't give up. You know, we're, we're not there yet. We're not there yet in Jerusalem. We're on the, these are Psalms of Ascent. We're on this journey. And, and it might not happen tonight. Maybe it will. It might not happen tomorrow. But as we continue to seek the Lord, he's going to bring us to this amazing place. And you're going to be, you know, because otherwise what ends up happening is, is we drown in those emotions. We drown in those sorrows. You know, it's interesting to me, because notice again, it's a song of, of David, a son of David. You know, you might be here and thinking, why do I go through these things? Why do I have these awful things i must be like a terrible christian but think of it david was going through that he's a pretty good believer you know spurgeon one of the the men most used by god really in the history of the church he went and had crazy doubts with depression and so uh, you're not alone you know the psalmist was there uh, others throughout church history we need to lift our eyes as we learn today, and I think we need to speak those words. You know, Isaiah 59, 19, it says, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And your enemy will come in like a flood. Jesus even said that in Matthew chapter 7. You know, you got two types of people. Some are being obedient. Some aren't. They think they're okay. They're both building a house. But the storms are coming. And when the storm comes and the waters come and they beat on that house, your house will stand because you've been living it. But if you're just listening and not living it, when the storm comes, and it will come, great will be your fall. That's what Jesus said. The storms are going to come. You know, Revelation 12 is a, is a cool parallel passage. Turn there for a second. 
Look what it says in Revelation 12 and verse 13. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. That, that's Israel. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And so uh, Israel is there in Petra for three and a half years are protected from the enemy by God himself. And so the serpent, notice, spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened the mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. You know, and that's kind of what we're talking about, huh? These crazy raging waters, right? Um, but, but God protects them. And, but notice what the devil does. And, and the dragon was enraged with the women, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we know, of course, it's in reference to Israel, but uh, the church who keeps the commandments, who knows the Lord, is part of that focus of the enemy as well it's like a flood you know i don't know if you guys ever seen those those, you know news clips Um, maybe you've even been in a part of something like that and you're like i I can handle it i can handle it (laughs) and this tsunami comes you think you can handle it no way oh i'm a strong christian have you been walking in fell have you been looking you know, if it weren't for the Lord, thank God, if it weren't for the Lord, I would have been swept away. And so I, I live my life in, in gratitude. Psalm 124, we close with this. Blessed be the Lord, in verse 6, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will curb the tide because he's on our side. You know, two verses that you probably already know, but you got to make sure you write them down. Psalm 118, verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Don't be afraid uh, of men. Don't be afraid of what they're going to say about you, what they'll think about you, what they'll do to you, or how they'll abandon. Don't be be afraid of them. Because God's on your side. What what can they do to you? Romans 8.31, if you get a chance, I encourage you to read that whole chapter. And he talks about all these things, death, life, demons, angels, all the crazy things we experience. What then shall we say to these things? Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? You know, this psalm is a poem of praise. It's a declaration of deliverance. It's a, it's a gallery of gratitude. Thank you, Lord. I love you. I love you, Lord. Thank you for being on my side, for keeping me all these years. Thank you, Lord. Help me not to touch the glory or give myself the credit. Thank you, Lord. You know, he hasn't left us to ourselves. If he would have, it says right here, we would have been drowned in the ocean. 
we have been chopped up, chewed up, and swallowed up and ended up as their lunch to munch on. Think about it. There's the center for dinner right there. Because <laughs> again, look at verse 6. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. And so he gives these kind of visuals of ways that people go down. They get drowned in the ocean of this flood. They get chewed up. 1 Peter 5.8 talks about that by the lion who's a devourer. And, and then the, the third thing he mentions is like it's like a bird who gets, you know, rescued from this trap. You know, again, our, our soul has escaped. Verse 7 is a bird from the snare of the fowlers. And uh, it's kind of an interesting play on words. Fowler uh, are, are, are these hunters who hunt fowls. It kind of sounds profound, huh? But it's kind of like that's their, that's their specific target. They're, they're, they know how to get these fowls. They're like specific. That's specifically who they hunt after. And, and if I could say this, there, there are like these whatever demons that they're just locked on you that's the one i'm going to take down and they're just that's their mission but the lord protects you and, and you escape you see that's what he's saying right here the the one who helps you is the one who made heaven and earth that's good news huh it really is. I pray that we would do our part, Psalm 123, looking and listening the way that we should, but we have to rest in his part. We have responsibility, but thank God for his sovereignty. And because of that, my prayer uh, for us is that we would live a life of gratitude.